heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back, folks. It is episode number 112 of YWC Football Talk. And even though I'm a Pats fan, the Pats are playing the Saints. I'm joined by two different well, Saints fans uh, and uh, one Saints beat writer. I have Matt with me, Matt Beast, as always, and also uh, joined by us mid-interview to talk a little bit more about the Patriots and Saints game will be John Hendricks from uh, the Saints Wire of Sports Illustrated. Matt, how are we doing today? We're doing pretty good. Just sitting here, glad to have a podcast uh, episode to record, sitting here watching this uh Slightly mediocre Thursday night game, but uh, that, that tends to be par for the course for Thursday night games for whatever reason that is. But at least got a podcast to go along with it, so never can beat that. No, 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 100%. Also, too, it's uh, of Saints News, my bad for John. Not Saints Wire, it's Saints News. But, you know, you're right. Just another it's another Thursday. It's another Thursday pod. I always love doing these, like, when we actually have football to watch. And for any of those wondering, the... Um, so basically what's going on right now is Matt and I are recording over Skype, so it's just audio, but there was, uh, John and I did video on Wednesday, so that will be, both will be up on YouTube, and then also to the video version of John's will be up separately, so just a heads up for you, but no, it's a Thursday, it's week three, Robbie Anderson drops dropped the fucking pass, and uh, hopefully Carolina can get this spread right down, because they're only a point and a half off, and I, I went on TikTok earlier today, and I said, hey, lock it in, either them, I said Panthers money line or Panthers spread, you're more likely going to win. Yeah, I mean, they did lose McCaffrey, but, I mean, just the fact that with what the Texans are going through right now, losing Tyrod Taylor last week, I I, I don't see them uh, putting up too much points on the board on this Panthers defense today. No, 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 neither do I. Um, I think we could we can't really talk about too, too much about this game just because, obviously, like, it's in progress. It's a two-minute warning already, and the Panthers are driving downfield. Let's see, second and ten, Sam Darnold, nice dump off to – oh, uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, is that Hubbard? No, that is not. That's somebody else. Hubbard's 30. But uh, let's move on to Sunday quickly. And the first game right here we've got is the Ravens, the Lions. Ravens are an eight-point spread dog. But Lamar Jackson missing practice today with a uh, – they said it was an issue because of his little flip he did in the end zone on Sunday. But at the same time, too, they were like, no, nah, it's an illness. But if I'm John Harbaugh, like, I don't know if you saw it live or if you've seen it at all, but – you, if I'm Harbaugh, I'm basically going to him being like, yo, do never, don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, that was um, probably not the smartest thing he could do. Um, I, don't, I don't recall seeing it because I saw a half. Okay, J- just to preface what happened to me last week on top of the Saints playing like crap real quick. Yeah. Um, north of my town, an optic cable got cut. So literally my internet and my cell service it was non-existent it was like i was living in the stone ages i had to go out and listen to games on the radio and the ac in my car doesn't work very well so it was just a conundrum of a week for me trying to watch football and i didn't get stuff back until literally the sunday night game so it was it was rough that's that's just like not only are you down but it's just like getting a swift kick to while you're down like that is just a double whammy. I feel like no one should ever have to experience. It was rough. I don't. I don't wish it on Falcons fans. Oh. 
<laughs> That's what you know, it was really bad. <laughs> oh, um, but I think we're both in agreement here with uh, Baltimore winning this game. But my question for you is, do they cover eight and a half? Do they cover eight points? Um, I, I'd probably say so. I mean, the Lions, they look like they can put some points on the board. I mean, TJ Hawkinson is looking great, by the way, which I'm very excited about because I have him in Dynasty. He's my Dynasty tight end. So I'm very excited about Hawkinson. As long as Hawkins is doing good, I really do not care. Um. But, I mean, Jared Goff's looking decent. It's not like they're just going out and just, like, looking amazing. I mean, the Green Bay game was all right. I mean, Green Bay kind of got away from them towards the end there. But, I mean, the Lions are staying decent. They're not going to be, like like we said earlier in the preview um, earlier in the season, that the Lions are going to be pretty bad. But their offense might look decent enough where they can do some stuff. But I'd probably say uh, the Ravens are going to cover that spread. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see it kind of like, you know, ball. I, I can't see it where Baltimore's up a lot. I can see it like where, you know, it's kind of a close game and then Baltimore slowly pulls away towards the end. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, they definitely have that kind of um, team where they can just keep pounding away with the run game. It really doesn't matter who they have back there with all the injuries they've had so far this season oh, at the running back position. And Tyson Williams has been doing good. Latavius Murray's looked better since the preseason like he did not look good at all for the saints in the preseason and he's looked a little bit better on the Ravens so far so that's good for them Devonte freeman same thing with him him and latavius were like right on the bubble for the saints so and uh tony jones ended up winning over so they're both looking decent but i mean when you're in a run heavy offense like that and you have lamar jackson also with the threat of running it's not hard to look good. Marquise Brown's looking pretty good, too, so far. Um, I don't know if that's going to be consistent and keep up, but uh, I want to see where this offense is going to look when Rashad Bateman comes back. I want to see how he's going to do when once he comes back. I want to see if he's going to be the alpha dog in the wide receiver room. Yeah, that's another one, too, because Rashad Bateman, he really fell through the cracks. He's had that groin problem. He's been out. Um, the one thing I'll say right now, but this, like, I just want to bring up with this game, Matt, if, I know Carolina has a really good defense, but their offensive line is trash. Yeah, like, it's not trash, but it could be a lot better. That's very true. I mean, the Saints, they were depleted uh, uh, last week when we played uh, them. Um, I mean, we were down. Davenport's already hurt, which, uh But um, Passanio was also hurt. Peyton Turner finally got his first action. He looked really good, so I was happy to see that, but... It was against the Panthers O-line, and I said before the season started, their O-line is definitely going to be their Achilles heel, and Sam Darnold could be seeing some more ghosts. But so far, I mean, Joe Brady's had it looking good. Granted, they haven't really been playing the best defensive lines out there. Tonight they're playing Texans. They played the Saints, who were very depleted once we got to them, and they played the Jets, so... Not a very good sample size so far of defensive lines, so we'll have to wait and see as the year goes on. Maybe maybe when they play the Bucks, I want to see what that game's going to look like. Oh, no, for sure, yeah, because the uh, – well, the Panthers don't play the Bucks actually until, like, December, so that's a long ways away. It's, like, a weird, like – like, the Bucks last three games, it's Panthers, Jets, Panthers. Man, that is a uh, – Interesting setup for sure. It's weird how they do that sometimes because sometimes I know they've had done this with the Saints where they'll play a division rival almost back to back like that. It's very weird how they do that very late in the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, moving on to the next one. God, this is such a bad game. Falcons at Giants. Um, I'm going to say this right now. And also, too, before I go to Falcons Giants, I'm going to go back to the other game. 
if I put a score bowl on it, I'm going to say 24 to 14. I feel like, you know, Detroit's defense kind of gets a couple stops here and there, but at the end of the day, like, that's where I get, like, I can see it being like a 14-14 game, and then they just got to score like 10 nothing in the second half. I'll say 31-17. Hawkinson gets two touchdowns. <laughs> um, yeah, next one, Falcons and Giants. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. If the Giants, like the Falcons, I think the Falcons, you, they're, they're, they're like Dennis Green's team of the year. They are who we thought they were. Like, there's no real, like, look, the defense is horrendous. The, um, like, they're literally a fantasy team. You have Matt Ryan, you have Kyle Pitts, and you have Calvin Ridley. Besides that, you got nothing. The Giants, who last week, look, had a close game. No, they lost. We had the first big rat, Griff, uh, Danny Dimes primetime. But I'll say this. If the Giants do not win this game, there is a problem in New York. I'm going with the Giants here. But, man, this 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 screams ugly. But at the same time, too, this game right here, like, screams like it could have been Thursday night football. Yeah. I low-key think it's going to be a fun game to watch, honestly. I think uh, the offense is going to look pretty decent. Um Although, I will say, if the Giants are going to show a good defense, this is the way to show it. Um, Matt Ryan hasn't looked promising so far. He's kind of elevated the def- the offense down a notch. I mean, granted, you have the loss of Julio, which hurts, and Kyle Pitts is going to take a minute before he can show off this generational talent he has, I believe. Um, you still have Calvin Ridley, who is a really good wide receiver. But like you said, outside of those guys, I mean, who do you got? I mean, the running game isn't exactly great. You got Mike Davis, and Cordell Patterson was actually getting some uh, garbage time points in fantasy, which led him to be a top waiver wire ad, which I think is kind of a waste of a waiver wire, a waste of your fab in any of your leagues at trying to get Cordell Patterson at this point in his career. But that's neither here. Sorry to interrupt, but that is a message for those of you who did not waste all your FAB money on Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, for sure. And that's another one right there. I, I kind of stayed away from that one, um, luckily. I did not. Um, because, I mean, it's the 49ers backfield. It's They're weird. He doesn't want to play Brandon Ayuk. Um, he doesn't want to really stick to any guy running back. It's always a revolving door there because they always end up hurt. Like, literally, every year, someone's hurting that backfield, and who knows if Trey Sermon's going to come on. It's just it's just so weird to try and predict. It's like trying to predict a Patriots running back backfield sometimes with them. That's not the same story anymore. It's uh, obviously Damian Harris, but we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> um, my big thing with this game is just look, like, like we were saying, the, uh, 40, the Falcons are just... Their defense is awful. Like the team's not good. They're basically they know they have to rebuild. They're just put. They're just waiting. Like they're just putting it off. Like they basically like they don't want to admit that it's a rebuild. Yeah, pretty much. Good old Falcons with their hard headedness. Um, if I had to predict it, I'd probably give the Giants the win here. Honestly, too. I think they're going to do enough. And like you were saying earlier, Daniel Jones looked good. He didn't actually uh, cost the team the win with the turnover or anything. So. So who knows, maybe he'll build upon that and go out here and beat the Falcons. Um, and maybe the maybe the Falcons get up on them early and find another crazy way to lose because that's what the Falcons like to do. They like to lose in weird ways. So we could see something like that. I think it'll be a fun game to watch if you want to tune into it, but it'll be some good 0-2 versus 0-2 football. Some good, bad football. Um, <laughs> if I put a scoreboard on this, I'm going to say 27-24. to 24. For the Giants. 
because he also here's the other thing too. Graham Gano and Sterling Shepard, if you do not have them on your team, I suggest getting them for fantasy. Yes, I was actually able to in, in a uh, lighter redraft league. I think it's like a 10-team league. I just picked up Sterling Shepard, and I needed an extra wide receiver, so I'm pretty happy with him. He went from, like, wide receiver, like, I think it was in the 30s or the 40s, to, so like, wide receiver 9. Yes, I mean, it won't be sustainable because – well, it's very early in the season. You see overreactions everywhere, and that's how it is with fantasy. You'll see some guys popping off, like Brandon Cooks has been popping off so far this season. Tyler Lockett's another prime candidate for a guy that's probably going to go down a little bit because he's, like, number two. Adam Thielen could possibly be one. I think he's number four or something in PPR leagues. It's crazy right now. Yeah, Adam, Adam Thielen's one of those guys where it's always, like, he, he did it a few years ago. I think it was 2018 or 2019. He had like eight games where he had like a t- he had like a hundred yards in like his first eight games, and then after that he just cooled off immediately. Like, because I remember, I think it was the year I had him. I'm pretty sure it was 2018. I think he broke Calvin Johnson's record for like NFC North receivers as the Texans get a touchdown. And my spread things looking a little iffy, but um, no, yeah, I remember that. So it's like one of those things to watch for. Because like even I remember the other day, oh, they missed. Oh my god. The kicker oh, missed. But um, the thing I was going to say for um, – what do you want to call it? I was going to say with the – with fantasy football, yeah, my girlfriend, I was talking to her yesterday, and she's just like, like I hate my team. Like, I hate my play. Like, I like she's Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin obviously got banged up and hasn't gone off to the best start. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her, I'm like, fantasy football literally is a four-month mental grind that we literally have no business running, but yet we get involved with and love it at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, for sure. At the end yeah. of the day, you just got to chalk it up and say, oh, it just happens sometimes and try not to get too frustrated with it. But it, it's one of those things that can be very frustrating, which is why I try not to put too much money into fantasy football, because then I would have to be mad at it, even though I love it so much. Exactly. You, you nailed it on the head. You nailed it on that. You know, back to this game, I think we're both going to the Giants. But this next one, uh, I don't know, because third on my list, we've got the New Orleans Saints visiting the New England Patriots. Um, the only thing that concerns me here with this game is the over-under at 42. I feel like there's a chance this game could hit the over, because the first two Patriots games of the year, is the, under, the under is hit. I feel like this one... It screams the overhitting. I don't. I'm, I know you're going to say the Saints are going to win. I know they're saying the Patriots are going to win. I don't like putting a score on Patriots games. I'm just going to say, I think that this game's either going to be like a like a close three point game, but like kind of like what we saw in 2013, not as dramatic of a finish. But um, either that or like you know like a 10 to a 10 point win somewhere in there, like 10 to 14 points. There was holding on that damn last play of that 2013 game on Junior Gallette, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm still, I, I still get salty about Miss Flags. It's just the story of a Saints fan. Um, what did you have the points as? Uh, the, the 42. Point? 42. Uh, no, I mean like your score prediction. Did you say that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. If you no, did. I didn't. I didn't say that because, well, to be honest, week one I said what I thought the Patriots score was going to be, and they lost. And last week I didn't say the Patriots score was going to be, and they won. So. You know what? I'm riding the wave of momentum of my weird superstitiousness as a fan, even though the outcome of the game does not affect me or my paycheck or my day-to-day life. But <laughs> I'm sticking with it because, damn it, I love football, and I am superstitious when it comes to this beautiful game. But, no, I'm not going to the score. The only thing I'm going to say is 
is if you're betting this game, I would go – I think you got to go with the over because 42 for it, it seems – it's yeah, it's 42. It seems like a soccer's bet, but that spread is interesting. I feel like the spread of three will get covered regardless. Um, see, that's where I'm differing with you. Pound the under on this game. I don't bet any games at all, but this game is definitely finishing like 13 to 10. That, uh, <laughs> and I honestly probably have the Patriots winning low-key. Um, just because um, I think at the very end of the day, it's going to come down to a turnover. And I think Bill Belichick's going to force Jameis into a turnover where he, I think, it's, like, I think the Saints are going to play much better than they did last week. Like, the Saints, they've been through so much crap to begin this season. It's ridiculous. They've been displaced due to Hurricane Ida, haven't been at home. They've had coaches catch COVID, a literally whole offensive coaching staff just about where they've had Sean Payton's assistant who books flights uh, calling plays. Like, what the heck is going on there? You have Ian Book in charge of substitutions. What is going on here? It is ridiculous. And then you have the Superdome catching on fire. It's just, I don't know what else could happen. Then you have injuries happening, happening everywhere. It's just bad. But... Fortunately, the injury report looks better this week, so it seems like we're going to get more people back and more coaches should be back. So I think this game is going to be really close because you have two teams that are very focused on ball-dominant time of possession play. Um, As a lot of people have been talking about with Mac Jones, they say he hasn't taken the training wheels off. You don't have to with this guy. He's in a position where he can succeed. Josh McDaniels has set him up the way he needs to be with this offense. You got Damian Harris, who I think he has like the third most carries out of running backs through the first two weeks, um, something like that. And he's been looking good at it. Um, He hasn't been just like an amazing, amazing guy, but he's been really solid. Um, James White in the intermediate game, that's another thing you're going to have to chest for because Christian McCaffrey was tearing Zach Bond up in coverage in the first quarter. Um, I would like to see if Josh McDaniels is going to test that out and see if Zach Vaughn is still kind of shaky on covering running backs out of the flats. Um, And you also have the two tight ends, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, to help out with the intermediate game of Mac Jones. And I mean, I I just don't know about the Saints with the Patriots in this one. Um, Sean Payton even said Bill Belichick is 108 and 7 whenever they win the turnover battle which is why I think them trying to not turn over the ball is going to be a huge thing. If the Saints do not turn over the ball, I'm going to say they get the win. But if they turn over the ball, it's going to be a long day. And I know Bill Belichick isn't huge on just sending all out blitzes all the time, but he might have to test out that Saints O-line after that performance last week. But you would hope that it's better because, I mean, in the Green Bay game, it looks fine. And it's not like the Eric McCoy thing hurt us at all. I know he's the main guy that calls protections now that Drew Brees is out, but I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really, really close and really, really grinded out football. It's not going to be a super fun one to watch. It's going to be stressful. Um, but at the end of the day, I got 13-10 Patriots. I, I can't see the score being like that high, but or not like that low. I, I something just tells me that the over is going to hit in this game, but at the same time, too, look, I think – I think you're you're right. It's for the not fan of the Saints and Patriots is maybe a tough watch, but I, I I totally do agree with you on that. But like I said, I still think Patriots are going to win and cover the spread. That's my prediction on that. And um, 
Before we move to the next game, guys, now is a chance for more of an in-depth look on the Patriots Saints preview. So we're going to throw it to my exclusive interview with uh, John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated right now. And we'll be back in a sec. Alrighty, folks, as you know, this week, the Patriots are taking on the New Orleans Saints up in Foxborough. And uh, for that, I've uh, dug up and I got a pretty good resource to help the, get the Saints perspective of this game on Sunday. As I have the lead writer reporter for Saints News at SI Now, he's also the podcast host of uh, Believe Saints, and he's the founder of FTFB Field on Twitter. Uh, I'd like to welcome John Hendricks. Uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, enjoying some cool weather that's about to move in here. We don't get it often. This is kind of like our fall weather that's coming. <laughs> oh, not bad, not bad. Um, up here right now where I am, it's uh, been rainy and just cold all day. Not not ideal. So I bet for, for like if I tell you the weather, you'd probably never experience it before. But with your weather, I know Louisiana, it's, it can be nice and hot down there. So I bet you enjoy the cold when you get it. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, we uh, usually go by Louisiana. I tell people it's like, we have four seasons. It's hot, less hot, more than hot, and then hotter than hot. That's usually about what it was. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. So, um, obviously, this Sunday, we have teams who have had very different weeks. Obviously, week one, the Pats had the close loss to Miami. You guys killed Green Bay and Jacksonville. But last week, the Fortunes got mixed up a little bit with the Saints, unfortunately, having a 26-7 loss against Carolina. So, what I wanted to ask you is, where do you see this team, like, or how do you see the game plan changing from week two to week three? Well, look, I think the, the first thing is execution. Yeah, I mean, they didn't execute worth anything, you know. I mean, for them to only have 128 yards of total offense for the game, I mean, that was the worst loss probably in Sean Payton's career. I mean, the only thing that came to mind, because some people asked, you know, hey, what was the worst loss? And I thought about Seattle in 2013 when they went up there, big Monday night game. They got routed 34 to seven. I mean, they just got, you know, the break speed off of them. But look, that was kind of a similar feel. And, and they just didn't have any continuity. They didn't have an answer for the pass rush. They didn't have an answer for being able to stay on the field. They couldn't convert first downs. You know, defensively, they made the adjustments. But look, I, I think the biggest thing is communication is going to be the first point of emphasis. And just overall execution. You know, you've got a, a lot of talented players you know, you can call it for what it is. You missed eight coaches. And they're not making excuses for each other. You're also down Marshawn Lattimore and CJ Gardner-Johnson and one of your best pass rushers in Tano Passignon, great free agent pickup. But, you know, this is a team that's not going to sit behind those excuses. At the end of the day, you know, they're paid to, to do a job and to make things happen. But at the end of it all, it was just too much. And, you know, even in the second half, they had a chance to get out of it and at least make it closer than what it was. But, you know, just how the chips fell is offensively, they just could not generate anything. No, 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 for sure. I feel like you always get those games every year. Like, there's always that, like, one game or so where it looks nothing goes – no, not that nothing goes right. It's just everything that can go wrong goes wrong. You try to fix your errors, but then by the time you try to get them fixed, it's either too little, too late, or you just dig yourself further down that hole. But the one thing I'm most looking forward to this Sunday is just the overall head-to-head coaching matchup because you saw that in both press conferences from Sean Payton and Bill Belichick today. Both guys very complimentary of each other, very complimentary of both Mac Jones and Jameis Winston. So I feel like more than the actual on-field chess match, it's going to be a great coach chess matchup coming to Sunday in Foxborough. Yeah, you're talking about the two longest, longest coaches in the NFL, and obviously Bill Belichick's been a lot longer than Sean has, but you know, that relationship is is very strong, and um, you know, it's probably, it's funny you watch Bill Belichick's press conferences, he's probably going to get most animated when he talks about somebody like Sean Payton, right? <laughs> he just doesn't get animated for a lot of, but there's a lot of praise there, there's a lot of respect, both come from that Bill Parcells cloth, and I mean, you know, it's just kind of the DNA, and, and some of those 
they're just not around anymore, right? And they do things a certain way. It's worked extremely well for Bill. It's worked extremely well for Sean for the most part. And, um, you know, Bill had his his opportunity to have a little bit more of adversity than he normally does last year with, with no Tom Brady. And you got Cam Newton. I mean, they did what they could. But, you know, the thing I think about is, is Sean Payton talk, very complimentary of, of him saying that, look, he's they're a great tackling uh, team. They throw different looks at you that are just not conventional, if you will, and they're great at doing a lot of things. Special teams is outstanding. So all three facets of the game, I mean, they are very strong, um, you know, and again, for them, it also comes down to execution. Exactly. And I feel like the one thing with the Sunday's game coming up is it's just going to be a matter of who can make less mistakes, not more who can do better, but who just makes less mistakes on field. I think that's ultimately what's going to come down to, because like I can see this game, being very similar. Do you remember the one in 2013? Uh, I think it was week five, week six. There was that late touchdown to, from Tom Brady, Kimbrell Tompkins. I get to see a very similar game game plan like that where, or not game plan, but like an overall game flow like that. You know, like you have your like mid, like mid twenties, like high twenties score both ways. Uh, I believe the spread's at three right now. If I'm a bet, I'm a bit of a betting person. So I bet the over, but I just feel like it's going to be that kind of game, you know, where it can little high scoring, but not too, too high scoring. But at the same time too, it's like I said, I think this is just you got to play mistake-free football when you're going up against either coach because once either Peyton or Belichick, like you said, cut from the same – that Bill Parcells cloth, it's just going to be about who can play mistake-free football come Sunday. Yeah, and Sean threw out the stat, and I can't remember the exact record. I know it was – I think it was 108-7 and seven is what Bill Belichick and the Patriots are at home when they win the turnover battle. It's something absolutely, absolutely mean lopsided. Um, you know, I know seven was the, the loss factor. I think it's one Oh eight, maybe I shortchanged them a couple, but you know, they've had so many great, great wins over there at Foxborough and such, but you know, you look at it, the ebbs and flow of this game. I mean, Mac Jones, Sean Payton, I asked him today, you know, on Wednesday, talking about Mac Jones, he loves his decision-making loves the fact that he able, he's able to see the field. And, and I think he's leaps and bounds ahead of the curve as a rookie quarterback, obviously from some of the things that I've seen on him. And, you know, I, you know, I watch a lot of him at, at Alabama because um, I'm a big LSU guy uh, and SEC in general. So got to see plenty of Mac Jones too. And he was, he definitely seemed like the ready quarterback, you know, they've had a few here and there Tua's has looked pretty good. And, uh, but, you know, Mac Jones, I thought was a little bit more complete of a player for sure. But, you know, look again, you look at that 2013 matchup, that was really something special. I, I think it was a, a, if they could have both got in the Super Bowl that year, that would have been oh, something. But, you know, it's just a chess match and, you know, playing in Foxborough, I think that's obviously huge advantage of Patriots because the Saints and Jameis Winston, they did not handle the crowd noise in Carolina uh, well at all last week. And, you know, I think I was on a show a Panthers show and I told him I said that's exact formula I said you get a couple of scores early you get the crowd into it early and they're just not going to be able to recover I mean that's just the easiest way for them and you know it's been a long long they've had crowd noise as a factor I mean you know with COVID and everything last year it's just it just kind of hurt a lot and you know Jameis Winston talked about communication uh, being key and and the silent count with Theron Armstead that wasn't just something that that really worked that well and again you don't have those many coaches that think that's a fact that comes up and, you know, bites, bites you a little bit, but, you know, again, at the same time, I expect a much better showing this week, probably reminiscent of, of what we should have saw against the Panthers. But, you know, again, uh, we'll see how this injury report plays out. They got a couple of players that are banged up and hopefully trending in the right direction. 
Exactly, because that was the one big shock today of the Patriots too. Matt Judon coming up on the didn't participate today. He was out with a knee. I saw to a lot of more PJ Williams, Gardner Johnson on the injury report. Um, but I just wanted to shift quickly because I just wanted to ask you, and for folks who may not be aware with the unfortunate fire at the Superdome yesterday, I just want to make sure is everything so everything's okay there. They ever find out anything, and hopefully, because my hope is that you guys are in there next Sunday against the New York Giants because there's no place like I know I'm a Patriots fan, but I know I even know there's no place like the dome. Yeah, look, yeah. it was uh, they were pressure washing there, and and it was one of the gutter tubs that that caught fire and such. But you know the officials and stuff said that there's no setbacks. I mean, they're going to be able to play in the Superdome. That's not going to be an issue against the Giants. And you know the team's prepared to come back next week. They've been in Dallas for three weeks now, and and such. But you know that there's nothing that should stop them. But again, it's in a long line. We had the hurricane here. We had to get displaced to Jacksonville for the first game. I mean, it's been a little bit of everything that this team has faced. And we always just joke and uh, the media is just like, it's just never really a quiet moment when it comes in waves. It just comes in waves. Exactly. Like there's always, there's always something like that's always just hitting you guys. And you guys always just seem to find a way to bounce back. And, um, but no, that's just good to hear. And also from my perspective too, because I literally just saw yesterday from like a, from yourself, from a couple other Saints people. I think it was a Fox account, the Fox station down in New Orleans, but with the fire and I just saw, I was like, what the heck, like what the heck happened here? But, um, but no, it's just good to hear that. Look, like everything's hopefully going to be fine for you guys for next Sunday with the Giants. But um, one player I, I kind of have on my watch list for the Saints, I know he had his first touchdown against the Packers is, uh, jo- I'm trying to say this right, Jawan, Jawan Johnson, the, mm-hmm. uh, I believe tight end number 83. Uh, just like he's someone I've always just been not fascinated with, but kind of like you don't like those players like look that you kind of don't expect to break out, but do break out kind of like you're, you know what, hey, the diamond in the rough, if you will. Is there is like, is there any other players that Patriots fans should be aware of coming for this Sunday or not like aware of, but to watch out for? Yeah, look, I think there's tons of them. You know, uh, Jawan Johnson's a prime example. He didn't have quite as, as good a game as he did in the open. Neither did yeah. anybody, right? You know, Alvin Kamara kind of obviously got held in check really badly. Um, and, you know, Tony Jones Jr. is their number two running back. He's he's a smaller guy. You know, he hits holes really good. And if they can get some success in game, it comes from that one-two punch of him and Kamara. So that'd be a guy to look out for. Um, wide receiver wise, Marquez Callaway had a really good pre pre training camp. He's been really ice cold the first two weeks. I expect him to give him the ball a little bit more. Um, Deontay Harris is an undrafted free agent. I mean, some people know about him. He was an all pro as a rookie and all these different things. And, um, and he's great at return games. So, I mean, St. Our special teams Patriots are good at, they're going to be tested a lot by Deontay Harris, especially kicking to him. I mean, if I was them, I would not kick to him at all if he can help it. But, you know, that's, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Adam Troutman's another guy that you want to keep an eye on. Um, you know, he's he's definitely been ice cold, didn't have a single target last week. But, you know, he's the guy, the, t- the top tight end that they have. And it's usually blocked first for him. But, you know, I think he's due for a big game, a big load. A, fir- a first game, he had six targets. He led the way for him. Um, but, you know, defensively, Everybody should know Demario Davis. Everybody knows Cam Jordan. Um, their first round draft pick, Peyton Turner, had his first game. He looked outstanding. He had two bad penalties, uh, but he was able to overcome that really well. And and um, you know, other than that, man, I, I tell you, secondary Paulson Adebo, the rookie, he might be one of the ones that you know Mac Jones will try to target a little bit. That's what Darnold did against him found some good success I think they might get some coverage there to help you know with with uh, Marcus Williams or Malcolm Jenkins but you know the Saints team 
you know, Jameis is the, the quarterback, right? You know, you'll see Taysom Hill on more goal line, maybe red zone type of work or short yardage or something along that lines. But, you know, Johnson's probably one of the top guys that you want to keep an eye on. Just maybe low-key has a couple of plays. Just somehow he and Troutman just find the soft spots in the coverage and just able to get open and such. But um, between that, I mean, they have vets like Ty Montgomery and Chris Hogan. I mean, this is a wide receiver group that I would just tell you it does not scare anybody on paper. They don't have Michael Thomas, right? Um, but they have enough there to generate some offense if they can get the good protection like they're hoping to get. Exactly. And also a bit of a homecoming for uh, former Patriot Chris Hogan and the same thing to Deontay Harris. I believe he went to school in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. So just, just some, some, some New England ties there that I had to bring up. Um, and as you said, too, I'm, I'm very intrigued about the, the Peyton Turner take because I feel like, look, that's what rookies are supposed to do. You take a couple bad penalties, you kind of learn from it, you shake it off. And then meanwhile, on the pat side of the ball, I'm still waiting for that Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry breakout game. Just, you know, waiting for them to explode. Um, Damian Harris, we obviously saw it last Sunday, the monster run against New York Jets. Um, that's another thing. Really good, uh, good bit of SEC ties in the running back matchup too. Camara, obviously Tennessee, Harris, and Alabama guy. But no, all, all in all, I feel like just the way the matchups are going to play out this Sunday too, the one I'm really looking forward to as well is just that both D-lines going up against both offensive lines because – Look, you have great guys like David Andrews, Trent Brown, Michael Owenu for the Patriots, and then the Saints. You also have Cesar Ruiz, Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead, which Ramchek got paid this offseason, deservedly so. So that's why the same thing, too, when I said the mistake-free football earlier. I feel like, look, if both offensive lines hold up, we could see, you know, maybe, uh, I was going to say, probably a bit of a higher-scoring game. But at the same time, too, both defensive lines can cause havoc. You might see not exactly the highest-scoring game in the world because – I believe the under over under for this is about 44, 44 and a half. So I feel like this game can go really either way in either direction Sunday. Yeah. And look, I, I know a lot of people want to look at Jameis and say, Oh, and they were just waiting. I, I saw it. They were waiting. They had, I joked about it. I said they had that in the drafts, right? <laughs> him his turnover, the first one. And that wasn't on him. You know, again, you look at it, the pressure was, was broke down. I mean, there was nobody that blocked these guys and he made a good move and just threw across his body. I mean, it was just kind of a prayer, but you know, it, again, you could say he could take it, but he tried to do everything he could. But, you know, when you don't have the protection there, second throw, the second interception was what I was a little bit more concerned with of him overthrowing the target. And it was just straight to JC Horn. I mean, you just can't make decisions like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, offensive line against defensive line. I mean, the guys in the trenches are key. And, you know, the Saints, they're without one of their best interior guys and in David Onyemata because he's a, uh, his suspension. But, Look, they have guys there that have really stepped up. Malcolm Roach, uh, Shai Tuttle, Christian Ringo. And, and you know, on the pass rushing side, they have great ones besides Cam Jordan. You know, they won't have Marcus Davenport, but Carl Granderson's a guy that not many people really know about. But he's did some work with D-line vids uh, in, in the offseason. He improved his pass rushing technique. Uh, got a big field goal block last week. I mean, he's just one of those underrated guys. Another great line of those undrafted the Saints have been able to find. So again, I think this is something that could be in the trenches. Whoever can generate generous rush, I mean, it's going to be key on a, a rookie in Mac Jones. I think he's got some poise to really handle this. And then you know, there's an old adage, the Saints don't do really well against rookie quarterbacks. I mean, it kind of goes back a ways, but I'll never forget Robert Griffin III, first game 2012 against the Saints. He absolutely obliterated the team. And that kind of, I think that was one of the starting points of, man, all these rookie quarterbacks, they seem to do well against the Saints for whatever reason. So Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, is going to really have to come up with a good scheme to, to be able to contain and neutralize some of these threats. 
Exactly. They, they, um, Dennis Allen, excuse me, one of those guys I've always seen is like, why hasn't he gotten a head coaching job? But at the same time, too, I feel like, the, like, look, he's just one of those guys, look, maybe he's just happy where he is as a DC in New Orleans. Um, also, I have to give a shout out to Anya Mata because, unlike him, obviously, University of Manitoba product, I'm, I don't think I can mention this nearly, but I am from Canada as well. So it's kind of like that funny tie in. So I always hope that those Canadian guys do well. Uh, Look, I just love the fact that we both kind of agree where it's like, look, this is just going to come down to the little things. It's going to come down to look who can outperform who. And at the same time, too, I feel I just I don't I don't know if I can see a world where Mac Jones kind of comes and just slices and dices because I feel like they're playing a lot of good check down ball with him. But at the same time, too, I feel like it's kind of like because someone made a meme last week of him and Josh McDaniels like Max on a kid on I think it's a tricycle. It was a tricycle, basically. And like Josh was a dad pushing him. I feel like this may not be the week to exactly, you know, kind of like let him ride the bike by himself. So I feel like at the same time too, you can see some safe plays, but at the same time too, if they want to let him air it out, I feel like they're going to see how the pace of the game flows goes. And then from there, just decide like, Hey, what direction they want to go in. And I feel like, look, you said Dennis Allen has, has to um, scheme up a perfect game plan. So I feel like this may be a game where he's got to do a lot, you know, on the fly. Yeah. And look, you look at what happened against the, the, the uh, Panthers last week, it was the short and intermediate that carved up the saints. I mean, you know, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, obviously he is the saints fans know who he is because yeah. um, of the time he was spending New Orleans, but he knew exactly where to attack. They attacked Zach Bond. They attacked, you know, Paulson and the rookie. And, you know, again, Bond looked really good in preseason and training camp, but, you know, just didn't really have a good game. And so it'll be interesting if they do get somebody like Pete Warner, you know, uh, their Ohio State guy this year that they took. And I think he can better maybe in that spot, potentially. Um, it just depends, you know, if Zach Bond can overcome what, have, what happened to him. I thought they looked better in the second half. But again, at that point, damage was kind of done. But, you know, again, chess matches, you're going to have to be able to cover the flats. You're going to have to cover those curl routes, the hook routes, all these different things all that the Patriots like to run. I mean, they may not have to be try to beat them deep, and the Saints have some some good talent there in Marcus Williams, who plays a lot of the home run ball and sees the field extremely well. So the tight ends, you mentioned Hunter Henry. I'm a huge Hunter Henry fan, and, and I tell you, he could have a, a really nice game here. Um, depending on what kind of matchups they get. But, you know, the the wild card, I would say, is, you know, the Saints getting back C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I mean, I know everybody thinks he's this the guy, the instigator, and, you know, gets everybody's under everybody's skin, but he was so valuable. I mean, that game plan against the Panthers, he was supposed to be the guy covering Christian McCaffrey the whole game. I mean, it was a defensive back on, on him, but unfortunately he wasn't able to go with a knee injury. Um, he was limited on Wednesday. We'll see. It's a step in the right direction, but you know him playing in this defense is, is going to be huge. Same thing with Marshawn Lattimore. That hand, you know, thumb injury, if you will, that he had surgery on. Um, you know, it's going to be huge that he gets back into the lineup too. No, 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 hundred percent. You just need all your guys healthy because, look, at the end of the day, like both of us, you don't want injuries to play a factor in how the outcome of the game goes. Unfortunately, football—that's what happens. But look, you just want both both squads completely healthy, but completely ready to go. Um, I'm also expecting. Part of me, I'm in a weird position right now because, like, I want Alvin Kamara to have a good week, and I don't want him to have a good week. I feel like you kind of know where I'm going with that from the fantasy football side of it. So, like, it's kind of like from a fan side, it's, if he has a bad week again, it's like, oh man, it's like, okay, cool. But a fantasy side, it's like, oh come on, damn it. But uh, <laughs> just had to throw that out there. But um, but no, for the most part, I'm these games are always fun and exciting to look forward to because, look, it's the same thing too. They only play once every four years. It's not the same thing, too. And I feel like these are two teams where people know, like, look, it's a bit of a changing of the guard. Obviously, Brady's now in your, resides in your division, unfortunately, for you. Um, and Breeze just retired this year. But like I said, 26, he'll be in Canton. Um, 
I'm just excited to see this game mainly too, because you see the new guards and you're going to see how they look. Cause I know a lot of people are making this plays of Jameis Winston saying like, Oh, we're back to like 2019 Winston. But in reality, I think you're right. I think Carolina just had a good game plan. They had a good scheme. They're a defense. I really like down there, but um, I I'm just excited to see how both teams look come Sunday. And look, I feel like, at the same time, too, how you brought up the uh, Saints having to defend, like, curl and slant routes. The I think the Patriots are in that same boat with the uh, Saints. And also, too, going after the deep ball, because we know for as much as uh, Jameis loves to throw, he really likes to chuck it downfield, and he can do it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, assuming it's protection, he definitely can let it fly. I mean, let it rip. That's something that the Saints have been missing, that element. You know, Drew did what he could. I mean, it was the best way to describe it is, you know, he went to Sean and said, hey, these are the things I can do. Here's the things I can't do. And that was kind of how they ran their offense and such. But, you know, look, um, again, I, I think that was the biggest thing for the Panthers coming in is, is, is you make of week one what you will. And, yeah. of course, it was the Jets. And Jets are a little bit of having an opportunity, I'll say that. But their pass rush got after Wilson a lot. And, you know, we knew last year, going back to last year, their pass rush was good and physical and um, I just didn't expect the, the breakdowns like they had, you know, because Ruiz is a natural center. He comes there and I think it has to align with the, some of the some tech reads and all these different things that come out. But, you know, look, again, you have to respect that deep ball. You have to respect what Kamara is going to be able to do. Um, you know, he's a tough guy to tackle, but I know the Patriots are a really good tackling team. So it, we see him that he bounces off one, two, three defenders and such. I don't think you're going to have that this game, but they're going to have to be a little bit more creative on how they use them. You know, I, I know throughout the course of training camp um, towards the end, they had had uh, Mark, Mike Martz come in to, to kind of give him some advice on how to use him better. Kind of what they did with Marshall Falk and in, in, uh, when he, they were at the Rams and the greatest show on turf. So, uh, you know, I don't think we've seen that potential just because of everything. And of course, you and I both know seasons, not seasons. these first several games, this first stretch is going to be pretty much. And I think this is a Bill Belichick quote about that. The season really starts after Thanksgiving. And so again, everything does matter, but you know, a game this early, if the saints lose, they fall to one and two or two to one and go to two and one, you know, the bottom line is they've done it eight times under Sean Payton, eight to play off six of those times. So I think their outlook is good. But you want to see one of the things that improve week over week is the biggest thing that I would say I'd look for. And I actually picked against them this uh, when I did my game by game predictions. Just I know how tough it is in New England and the Saints just they haven't won this millennium in Foxborough. Um, you know, it's three chance, three games because they just don't see them a lot. But, you know, um, at the same time, they have the the kind of the deck stacked against them. Exactly. It's like the last time it's like I can remember all the times they played them. It's like. 09, I was in high school, 2013, I was in college, and now 2017, 2021, and that's what it is, so it's like a four-year, just a four-year thing, maybe we'll see you guys again in two years, now with the 17th game added in, and what I keep referencing to, I think 18's coming eventually, Uh, but no, Mm -hmm. you're right, I just feel like, too, this game for either team, look, both are one and one, but um, I would, I like, I think I'm going to go New England as well, obviously, fan of them, but also, too, I feel like New England needs to win a little bit more, I'm not trying to make them, like, take any... Uh, shots at the Saints or anything. I'm just saying because, like, you guys have the Giants next week, and then we have a guy that wears number 12 who we used to love for years and years, but still love coming in next week on Sunday Night Football. So, from that perspective, I feel like uh, one and three is not ideal, but I still think, look, at the end of the day, I don't see this being like last Sunday's game for either team where you guys lost by 19, we won by oh, wait, both, uh, both 19 to 19 score differences. But I just don't see that for either side. I see a close game that, look, like I said before, it's going to come down to the little things, and that's what I hope I can get. Because at the end of the day, 
you those games where you have to sweat it out, I feel like you truly appreciate more than just a blowout. Yeah, I mean, in final possession type, the situation is very evident. It's something that could potentially happen here. And, you know, look, I, I, I hate to be the Giants next week because no matter how this game goes, fans have missed this, the, their team in the Superdome. And, you know, you miss 70,000 plus that are screaming at the top of their lungs to make it a challenge for the op- opposing team. Doesn't matter who it is, you know, uh, and what era that uh, plays a factor into it. But, you know, look, again, if it was an NFC South game, it'd be a lot more implications to it. Or NFC is, is obviously out of conference and stuff. So it still matters. And again, in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, like you said, uh, at the same breath, hopefully the Patriots aren't looking ahead, which I know it's Bill Belichick. No. They're not looking ahead. Fans might be, but oh, there's no way Bill's like, oh, like Tom coming next week. Let's figure this out. No, they're still working on prepping on this week and, and trying to build on what they have in this early season. And again, you know, Mac Jones is a huge part of that. There's still a lot of, for both of these teams to untap, unlock and untap that into that potential that they have. Exactly. And also, too, next Sunday, going into a brand new name, Caesar Dome. I believe the some new bo- field-level boxes, too, coming into the Superdome, which should be exciting. But uh, it's like we said, both teams will focus on here right now. One team's focus on New England. One team's focus on New Orleans. It's it's kind of funny. It's a new matchup of new teams and like new quarterbacks in a way, because this matchup for years was always about Tom and Drew. Now it's not that case anymore, but it's like we said, it's uh, just a matter of look who can play better Sunday. And it's a matchup of two. Hey, looking not to be like, Hey, how the seasons are going to play out, but it's kind of like, I think it's a good litmus test for both teams in that sense. Yeah. Look, and the thing is I look further down the schedule too. I think Tennessee is going to be a huge one for the saints when they come and, and play them and, you know, they got Dallas down the road. They got Buffalo, you know, on Thanksgiving and such. So, I mean, there's a lot of these games on the calendar that you're going to circle and, and just kind of look at it and look ahead and say, man, this could be a, a really defining type game for a lot of these teams. And, you know, look, I think for whichever team comes out victorious, I mean, again, week three, you're still getting a feel for a lot of things. I know the Saints were one preseason game because they didn't have to have, didn't have their preseason finale against the Cardinals and, I don't know if it would have mattered much, but, you know, again, it's, it's those types of things where you look at, you know, you're the first couple of weeks, you're still getting a lot of things. I mean, these, these penalties are, are hard to figure out. These roughing the passer calls, these taunting penalties. I mean, you just really can't do much of anything. Right. And so, um, you know, again, it's just kind of sounds like fun, fundamental football one-on-one, you know, control the clock, see who can win better in the trenches. Don't com- commit any turnovers. And then just try to to be able to put yourself in a position where it's, you know, maybe on your defense in the last uh, last gasp and you feel good about that. Or conversely, maybe it's on your offense and you feel good about it and needing some points at the end. Exactly. And that's just something I can't wait for this coming Sunday. Uh, but anyway, I think that's going to do it for us here. Uh, John, if uh, anyone out there, Saints fan or not, wants to find your work, find your Twitter, find your writing, where can they find you? Yeah, if you go on Twitter, it's at John J. Hendricks. That's Hendricks just like Jimmy, for those who catch the reference. I will give you a spoiler and disclaimer that if you follow me on game day, I'll probably ruin your broadcast because everybody says I'm ahead of time. It's because of the TV delays and all that that people, I guess, don't realize it if they stream or whatever. But I will ruin your game, so don't follow me unless you really want to spoil and <laughs> know what happens. But uh, follow me, uh, Sports Illustrated, Saints News, or Saints.media, si.com, slash NFL, slash Saints. All right, sounds good. Well, anyway, guys, give uh, John a follow if you guys find his work, like I said, or if you're a Saints fan. But anyway, John, I take your, uh, appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to join me here on YWC Football Talk. And uh, I'll extend a firm and uh, hearty good luck to you guys on Sunday and uh, hope you do the same. <laughs>
Absolutely, of course. Patriots fans are good people, so uh, we're in good people. If you're not Atlanta, I mean, y'all, you got to remember, Patriots. They did us a solid, right? Tom Brady, Atlanta Super Bowl twenty-eight-three. <laughs> so they hold a special place in Saints fans' hearts for sure. I think about that game at least once a day. No, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> anyway, Go to Saints fans. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Well, anyway, have a good one, John. And like I said before, good luck on Sunday, and we'll we'll see how this game goes. All right, sounds good. Thanks. And thank you once again to John Hendricks for coming on and giving me some time to talk Patriot Saints. Um, with all his Twitter info, like he said in the video, like I said in the video portion of the podcast, uh, will be up and um, will be in the description for this episode. Moving on to the next game, we have the Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Upset alert of the week, take the Bengals to win. Huh, that's pretty interesting. I mean, the Steelers... Um... They're very interesting, and I remember listening to you, you, you and Big Rat's um, show, and he was pretty much saying the barometer for the Steelers is what happens with the Raiders, and they lost to the Raiders, so, I mean, it could be a fortune of things to come. I mean, we all know Big Ben. He's kind of on his way out. I'm wondering if T. Higgins is going to play in this game for the Bengals. That could be a big thing to look out for, but, I mean, I, I would like to see the Bengals get on more of a roll and get to see what they got with this offense. Um, I need to actually sit down and watch a Bengals game. I don't think I have um, in a little while. So I'm definitely like my knowledge of this isn't very high at the moment, but I could definitely see the Bengals pulling off the upset on the Steelers and maybe they could knock Steelers down into contentions in the AFC North. I mean, it could be a sign of the times for the Steelers. No, I'm just like, I'm going with the upset for, I just think, look, if Ben doesn't play as run DMC is playing halftime, that was interesting. But Ian Rappaport actually tweeted half an hour ago, and I just saw it come up on the screen so I can talk about it. This is interesting. The NFL is tinkering with its Super Wild Card Weekend format, I'm told. Likely to have it conclude on a Monday night. This means two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and one Monday with a broadcast partner to be determined. Fun change. Can I, can I tell you something? I honestly really, really like this because I feel like if you go to Saturday where you just have the 4.30 and the 8.15 wildcard game and then have a full slate Sunday and have that, like, nice little cherry on top dessert Monday night playoff game, that's a lot of fun. It just plays into a disadvantage, I think, for the team whoever when they have to – that Monday game going into the next week so you know that team would automatically have to play Sunday because there's no way they would play them five days apart. Yeah, and it makes a lot more sense when college football isn't really in season two. So I like that change. Yeah, because I'm just like thinking about it right now too. Because I'm pretty sure with the 17th game, uh, the the week of week 17, that Monday I believe is the national championship. So then there's no college football that Monday. So you know what? You have no competition. Obviously, no Monday Night Raw doesn't count. This is more of a AW Stand podcast now. I said it. Agreed. Um, as I'm wearing my Kenny Omega shirt right now, actually. Phenomenal match, by the way. Oh, yes. If you have not seen Dynamite Grand Slam, I highly recommend going to check it out. Um, but back to this game, I just – it's like I said, I because last week I thought that the Steelers were going to win, but I thought that the, the Raiders would cover. But the Raiders, will get in them in a minute. Like, that was a game. It's just for me, if you come and ask me, do you prefer Joe Burrow or do you prefer, like, Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. Like, even – that's the other thing, too. Like, I know the Bengals, like, I, they were a team I was concerned about going into the year. They have looked pretty okay through their first two games so far. Like they beat the Vikings. They 
they lost a close one to the Bears, but still Burrow has not looked all that bad. And then you have uh, two, Jamar Chase has looked really good, and that was a concern going into the year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they've been holding up fine. Like, I think the Bengals are kind of that team where you don't have to make the playoffs, but you just have to show, hey, we're making strides towards the future so that maybe next year or the year after is when you can start, you know, putting yourself in that contender's driver's seat. Not contenders, but even like the playoff driver's seat where – Kind of like, how do I say this? Um, look, like even look at a team like the, the Raiders are doing. Like they finally are clicking, and they've looked good through two games so far. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably more concerned them. I wouldn't quite say the level of the Panthers, maybe quite yet, but maybe the Panthers of last season. Yes, exactly. The Panthers of last season. I like that a lot, to be honest. Yeah, because I mean. The Browns have really come on strong, and, I mean, it's kind of been a three-team race in that division, and right now you might see the Bengals try to uh, take out, take the seat from the Steelers and try to get up in that ranking in that division. Um, and it's definitely possible because the Steelers are definitely going to be trending down unless they figure out something with what they're going to do at quarterback in the post-Big Ben era. I mean, they have the weapons um, to supplement that because, I mean, Najee Harris, I mean, he looks good. Their offensive line needs help for sure, so that's something else I would definitely need to look at. Their wide receiver room is really good. Um, it's just a matter of fact of who are all are they going to retain. I really like Deontay Johnson. Um, even though he has a bad history with drops, if he could ever get that figured out, he would be looking really, really good. Um, Chase Claypool, a lot of people like him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Juju's going to be moving on after this year too, though, so... It, it, you, you just got to see what they're going to do. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Steelers are going to do because you know that that office probably thinks that they sh- could be a contending team um, going on, just depending on whatever they do. Um, so it'll be very interesting. It, it, will, it will be. But at the end of the day, like I said, I'm going with the upset here. I'm going to go Bengals. I, I'm going to go 24 to 20 they win. Like they kind of – it's a close game, but at the end of the day, I feel like the Bengals do just enough to get the dub. Because even if you got to remember last year, too, Monday Night Football, it was a game I didn't think much of, and the Bengals just surprised the Steelers. Yeah, that is true. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Steelers to win this one in a pretty close one. I'm going to say 24-14. Um, I can deal. I can get. I can get down with that. Um, Colts and Titans, in which a game I say is a must, must win for the Indianapolis Colts after going down 0 and 2, and then the Titans looking a little suspect through two weeks. I would say they obviously had the nice comeback win last week. Derrick Henry, huge fantasy performance, and then you also have um, the Colts, who just you know like they they've looked okay, but they haven't looked too too okay. But even though I say must win for the Colts. I, I think I got to go with the Tennessee Titans here. I, I just can't see. I think the Titans are a better football team right now, and it's just for the Colts, it's kind of like everything that could go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're going to be playing. It, it could be Jacob Eason getting the start this week for the Colts. And Jonathan Taylor's not, not looked very promising. That's been a trend with these two running backs that were so huge in the fantasy community last season with Clyde and Jonathan Taylor. Clyde looking, I mean, he doesn't have a single excuse because, I mean, everyone was so excited about him being on the Chiefs and everything. This isn't really about Don't the Chiefs. It's about me. the Colts. 
Um, and of course, this is the Michael Pittman Stan uh, Stan podcast, um, myself included. Myself included. He's been looking really good so far, but uh, I, I hope he can continue it no matter who the quarterback is lining up on a day-to-day basis. But, I mean, you saw last week the Titans just unload Derrick Henry um, after the Seahawks kind of got up on them. And normally you see teams go away from the running game, but, I mean, when you have Derrick Henry, that's who you got to go to. And um, you would like to see that maybe the Titans kind of um, – incorporate an all-out passing attack just going in with A.J. Brown and Julio. I feel like A.J. Brown hasn't done a whole lot so far, um, so I'm sure you'll see him gearing up at some point of this season, but um, with all the injuries and stuff, I got to take the Titans to win this one. I'm with you on that one. Um, it could be a little bit closer than you think. Um, I don't really know what kind of prediction I'd give it, because I'm, ter- I'm honestly terrible at s- predicting scores, so I'm just going to throw out and say, like, 27 Titans, uh, 19 Colts, some random number like that. <laughs> you know what? A little scoregami never hurt anyone. Um, for this one, I'm gonna go close again. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 24 to 23 Titans win. Ooh, real yeah. close. A little, little uh, spice on the uh, scoregami there. Um, moving on next. Also, too, I gotta say, I love wearing this mic, mic, because I'm wearing, I'm not you were using my usual mic today, guys. So that's why this audio sounds a little off. I'm using my gamer headset, but Matt said it works fine, so I'm sticking with it. Um, the Washington Football Team at the Buffalo Bills. Um, I'm gonna say this right now. The spread's at seven and a half. I'm gonna go Bills win, football team cover. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be more of a sample size for Taylor Heineke. Um, you're definitely good. That I'm sure that the front office really wants to see. If this guy could possibly be a guy for their future, I mean, he obviously had that electric performance against the Bucks in the playoffs last season. Um, definitely gonna be one to look out for. Um, Josh Allen really hasn't gotten it rolling quite yet, um, and of course, the Washington defense is really is really nice. They, I mean, they haven't been so far as good as they were last season. I'm pretty sure their coverage has been a little bit off so far, but their D line is still really good. Um, whenever you have Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen on a defensive line like that, you're always going to be looking good. But um, if anyone's going to take a, mm, find the weakness in that, it could be Josh Allen. I mean, he, he looked so good last season, and we've kind of been waiting to see him continue to look like that. Um, so this might be the game, honestly. Um, it, it could be a pretty fun game um, if Taylor Heineke uh, Electric shows up. So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bills with you, um, and I'm gonna say the Bills 31, Washington Football Team 24. You know what I like it, and that also that covers the spread. Um, my thing too, I just think the Washington front four hasn't been as menacing as a lot of people thought. I thought a lot of people thought, you know, this is gonna be a defensive line that's gonna FSU. But for those of you who don't want to know uh, language coming up. The fuck shit up kind of thing, you know, where they just come in and they like wreak havoc on the entire thing. As I realized, Aaron Andrews' dress shirt has an NFL logo on it, so doing free advertising there. I don't, I don't get it. But my whole thing with this game is, look, I think if Washington loses, it's not an end of the world situation. I think this could, be, like, you're right. This could be the game that Josh Allen finally has it. not a breakout one, but finally has that. Yeah, you know, you remember who I am. Like, you know, all those years with Tom Brady, where it was like. 
oh, hey, is Tom doing this, Tom this? And then he just basically comes out and just balls out, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, there's a Tom Brady we know and love. So, yeah, I, I can see a world where Josh Allen comes out and has a game like that. Because even, too, him and Diggs haven't been like that crazy connection they were last year. So I feel like not only is Bill's Mafia looking for that, but I feel like the NFL as a general, because there's a lot of people I know who are getting really pissed off at Josh Allen for two weeks because like you talked, we talked about it off air. That's the joys and pain of fantasy football where, you know, you just get pissed off at players if they're not it's, uh, exceeding expectations. But as it goes yeah. to this game, I still, I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to circle the wagons as much as I hate to say that. But give me a score line of uh, 28 to 20, 28 to 20. I'm going to go score down. I'm going to go 28 to 23 Bills win. I feel like the Bills defense does enough to where they hold Washington to field goals, but then the Bills offense goes up and gets a job done. Yeah, I feel you. And the whole Josh Allen hyping thing is just me trying to hype up my dynasty quarterback. So <laughs> completely understand. Um, sorry, sorry, I cut you off there. Um, next up on the docket, we got the Chargers at the Chiefs. Same thing is a seven point spread. Give me the exact same result. Chiefs win, Chargers cover because the Chiefs so far 0 2 against the spread. They were 7 and 9 last year, the same spread record as the 1 and 15 Jacksonville Jaguars. That is crazy to think about. I mean, um, like I had alluded to um, in an earlier podcast, I'm kind of high on Gardner Minshew and he kind of kept the Jags a little bit competitive and in games just by him being a good quarterback and having and making use of what weapons he has. And I mean, the Chiefs, they sometimes kind of play down to their competition a little bit occasionally. Um, and I mean, I mean, the Chargers, this could be a good matchup for the years. I mean, if everyone wants to crown Justin Herbert as this really good quarterback um, and Patrick Mahomes, people like to crown him as the GOAT already. Um, this could be a matchup for the for the years that we're going to see multiple years in a row, and it's going to be something to watch out for um, on a on a on a year to year basis, and just see which team does better against which one. Um, they're both one and one, so they're both kind of looking to get back up in the standings with the Raiders uh, top the division, which is crazy to think about right now. But I mean, it's week three in the NFL, so anything's possible. Um, I guess I'm gonna have the Chiefs winning this one. Um, you gotta. It's it's probably gonna be hard to see Patrick Mahomes losing two games in a row after having the close loss to Baltimore last week. Um, you'd like to see the Texans bounce back and get a win here. Or I say the Texans, but the Chiefs. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, we're watching the Texans play the Panthers on Thursday Night Football. It's all good. Um, I'm gonna go with the same thing. I feel like if you remember last year's game where. Unfortunately, same thing happened with Tyrod Taylor. It's just he has this bad luck spill of, like, getting hurt and everything where um, – okay, well, and also I'm going to say this too. They don't call pass interference right there. I'm really glad because that first pass interference back in the first quarter was completely a horrendous miss call on DJ Moore. So if they're not calling on J.C. Moore, like, tip or tat, the whole makeup call bullshit that the refs love to do in every league. Um, the next thing I was going to say about this game is, look, do you remember the game last year where Tyrod Taylor had that unfortunate uh, rib injury and then Herbert came in and then they went to overtime and the Chiefs won OT? Yes, I think I recall it. I can see a very similar game here where you know what? Or even like, um, I'm, you're going to hate me for doing this. Do you remember the Monday Night Football Saints-Chargers game last year where like Saints, oh. where it was a very nail-biter, but then the Saints did just a little bit more to get the dub? 
Yes, and the Chargers definitely had a history of that last season. It was really bad for them. Like, they would always have these such close games. Like, imagine being a Chargers fan around that time last season. And that's why a lot of people really like the Chargers. Um, but, I mean, they just always seem to kind of blow it towards the end some, somehow in these games. And um, a lot of people kind of pointed the finger at Anthony Lynn. But you, you just kind of want to see them turn it around at some point. Um, if they I start mean, to do it this this year, who knows? Oh, my God. That is a horrible, what the hell is Alex Kemp's staff doing here? Um, yeah, that was a common theme last year. Like, they... They almost beat the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the Saints all within like a four-week period. Okay, you're seriously calling that passable? What what call are you calling there? That's the Brandon Cook superstar call. <laughs> God, like Matt Rule is pissed right now. He really is. Yeah, and uh, oh, oh, it's not Brian Burns. I, oh, it's Burns. Um, I was trying to figure out what the call is there because I have a game on mute while I'm podcasting, but. Yeah, back to back to this game though. Um, I'm gonna go 30 to 28 Chargers, where like I know 30 28 Chargers, 30 to 28 Chiefs. Because the other thing too that I was saying through the first two games with this uh, Chiefs team, their defense hasn't looked as dominant as it has over the last two years. Like if you think about, it, I said this to Danny on Monday, he didn't think much of it, but if you think about it, they allowed Baltimore to score 36, and they allowed the Cleveland Browns to score 29. That is 65 points through the first two games of the year. Now I understand, look, they're both shootouts, but if you're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender team, I feel like your defense cannot allow two back-to-back games like that. You have to have some, like, you know, dominance in there. I feel like there's a game where, look, they can go ahead and shut me up, but at the same time, too, I think a lot of people take the Chiefs as, like, this whole, you know, hey – they're the Chiefs. They're good. They're going to kill it every week. But in reality, they haven't done that so far. So I still think they're, I'm still waiting for that game for the Chiefs, but I just don't think it's this week. I think they get the win, but I feel like it's one of those, you know how they say there's no moral victories in the NFL? I still feel like this is a moral victory for the LA Chargers. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can agree with that. Um, I, I think the main thing with the Chiefs is the fact that their offense is so high powered that all these other teams think that they just have to get points on the board no matter what. So I think it comes down to that because at the end of the day, you're going to have to score more than the Chiefs. And I was listening to the PFF podcast, and they're talking about the 30, the, the number 30 being the magic number where you just want to get to the number 30 first um, to try to beat this team because their offense is just so dynamic. And another thing they're talking about, which is very interesting to me, is the fact that Travis Kelsey and Gronk are so close in age, and people always talk about Gronk being washed up. Um, and right now, Gronk's having a good start to the season. Will it continue? I don't know. Um, I mean, he could end up injured, but you never know how that could happen. But, I mean, it, it leads you to believe how long can Travis Kelsey keep this trend up. And, I mean, I was really high going into Travis Kelsey this year, and he's so far proven that to be right. Um, but that's just a simple thing to wonder. It, it got me really thinking, like, how long could Travis Kelsey keep keep up this elite streak of being so good? And it, it's just another thing to worry about with the Chiefs, because how long are how long are Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey going to keep this up? Because I mean, they spent that first round draft capital on Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and you would have hoped uh, their front office probably would have hoped that he would have established himself as a superstar. 
And so far, that hasn't been the case. And, I mean, if you're in an offense as dynamic as this, I mean, look at what Kareem Hunt did when he first came there. Even back uh, back in those years, I mean, the offense was still really nice, and he really cemented himself. But as far as this game goes, yeah, I pretty much agree. I see the Chiefs winning, and I hope it's a close game. It'd be very entertaining to watch. Um, but I'm probably going to be watching Red Zone, and hopefully it pops up on Red Zone a lot. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. As, oh, Carolina almost the interception. That's the thing I was going to say, too. I feel like this is going to be the game Red Zone goes to quite a bit. I feel like the Falcons, Giants, and Patriots, actually, like the 1 o'clock Red Zone forgot about us games. Um, next one, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Uh, 7.5 point spread. Arizona going to Jacksonville. Uh, man, Earth, Earth, some of the stuff Urban Meyer has been saying. Like, I, I said this, that the cons run a better wrestling promotion than a football team even though football is, like, the main priority for them. But uh, I think that's J.C. Horn that's hurt. Um, the thing I'm going to say is the fact that, like, you have him saying that, like, oh, yeah, like, comparing the Denver Broncos to Alabama, like, there's just some moments where Urban's got a guy that goes, like, just just shut, just shut, 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 shut the fuck up, shut, shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. That's where this game goes. Man, if the Denver Broncos can go into Jacksonville and whoop, the Arizona, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, what's stopping the Arizona Cardinals? Like, I know last year Russell Murray was that, like, out of the gate MVP candidate. This year for me, it's Kyler Murray. I know I picked Matt Stafford at the beginning of the year, man. If he continues on this pace, I don't think there's any excuse why Kyler Murray's not in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's, he's a special talent. Um, seeing him out here and seeing some of the stuff he does, I think there was a play where he, uh, where he was juking out some uh pass rushers and he looked back at the pass rushers trying to survey like hey this guy's coming on my back let me roll out and then deandre hopkins was looking at him at the same time and he rolled out to where he was facing uh kyler murray perfectly for a touchdown pass and it was really cool to see how those two are just on the same page as that and i mean it can happen like that when you have these two great talents and they have so many different like weapons on offense that they can go to and I mean, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, they're not really, like, elite-level talents because, I mean, their running back room isn't the best. Their other wide receivers just aren't amazing. I mean, Rondell Moore is looking pretty good so far, which is interesting to see. Um, But they just have so many different weapons that they can go to. Like, if you compare it to, like, the Saints right now, who have a very low (laughs) pool of weapons, which is nothing I could have gotten into with them, but that's neither here nor there. But, um the Cardinals, they look pretty impressive so far. I, I will give it to them. They've been looking really nice. Um, as far as the Jaguars go, it's just, man, when when these quarterbacks get drafted um, so highly, it's it's very rare that you see them go to a really good team. Um, and it, it, it's just, like, like, they're not able to really go out there and perform well sometimes. but And sometimes it could just take some adjustment. And that's why I, I'm so uh, hyped on my, Mac Jones so far this year because he's been in a position to succeed, and it's been working so far for him. And you always hear the controversy with Urban Meyer with all of his coachings, and you just wonder how long he's going to stick around if this ship is going to be falling. It could be turned to another Nick Saban situation where he just jets out and another one of the great college coaches just kind of gives up on it. Um it just happens that way sometimes. Um, 
It, it could be an interesting game to watch, but I think the Cardinals are just going to blow the doors off the Jags. It's not even going to be close. It's going to be pretty bad for the Jags. I think it's going to be something like Jacksonville, maybe 17. Arizona is probably going to put up over 30 points for sure, I think. It's, it's going to be bad. Give me 37 Arizona, 10 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's all I'm saying. Oh, man. While J.C. Horn's, like, limping off, I wonder what that injury is. That's bad for him. Looks like his ankle. Mm. Christian McCaffrey and J.C. Horn in the same night. That's that's bad. Oh, man. Davis Mills does not look that bad tonight. I'll say that right now. Yeah, I mean, third-round quarterback. Um, I've heard some people were hyped on him. They, they thought he, he would be pretty decent. Um, and, I mean, the Texans, I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, this team does not look very good at all on paper. It could be one of the worst teams in the league. And the fact that he's going out here and putting on a decent performance, you got to give it props to him. I mean, it's a, it's a tough ask with this defense, the Panthers, the way it looks uh, so far, the way this season has gone for them. You're also at the 39-yard line and punting. Kick the field goal here for the Texans. Because I know earlier we talked about, oh, uh, I think they're just doing a play to see if uh, I think they're just doing a play to see if the um, Panthers jumped. Hmm. So not a horrible decision there by Devin Colley. I'll give him credit for that. But no, look back in the game. Uh, Cardinals, Cardinals quite a lot. Um, uh, Chicago at Cleveland, where actually Justin Fields would make his first ever NFL start. Um, I'm going to say the same thing I said before. Spread is at seven points. It would not shock me to see the Bears lose but cover this game. Because, uh, and also, too, I, ha- I have to recognize this. Today is the 20th anniversary of Drew Bledsoe getting lit up by Mo Lewis that led to Tom Brady coming into the game for him. And then the rest is history. So just a little 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 nugget tippet there, uh, which was a very emotional day at, in New England with the obviously the first that was the first Sunday back after 9/11 and uh, Joe Andrewsy coming on the field with two American flags and all his brothers and his dad there who are firefighters in New York. So just a little thing there because as Justin Fields makes his first start, like I said too, look he took advantage because Mo Lewis nearly killed Drew Bledsoe. I feel like Justin Fields is here to take advantage of the offer, the take advantage of the opportunity. But at the same time, too, Cleveland's just a better football team. So give me the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that is true. Cleveland is a better football team. I'm going to be a crazy man and predict the upset. Um, Justin Fields is going to go out there, look amazing. And then Matt Nagy is going to say, you're still not the starter because we don't want to throw you out there yet. I don't know what it is with uh, some of these coaches sometimes. Um, I I can understand protecting your rookie quarterback, but – we know Andy Dalton's not going to be the answer. And a lot of times it comes to a point, you see Tyrod Taylor. Um, I feel bad for the guy whenever he comes in, he just gets replaced by these quarterbacks. And it, it just sucks to see for him, but it, it could be a situation where they force Matt Nagy's hand and Justin Fields plays well. Um, I'm going to take the Bears 21, Browns 17. Um Call me a crazy person, but it is what it is. I mean, the Browns' defensive line is really nice, and it could cause Justin Fields some problems, but I think he has the mobility to get around it. Um, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I would like to see a deep shot to Darnell Mooney in this game. I think that would be pretty fun to see because we know Justin Fields has that playmaking ability. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to call the crazy upset here and see Justin Fields get his first win in the NFL with his first start. 
Yeah, no, that's like because that's the thing though. Like you have to call upsets, but at the same time too, I just I, for me like I want to see Fields do well. I'm just thinking like against against the Browns, I don't know if that's ideal. And then at the same time too, I just I don't know where I see this game going. Like I'm gonna go 21 to 17 Browns win. But like when I say that, like I'm not overly overly uh, I'm not overly confident in it. Uh, with my uh, prediction, but at the same time, too, that's why we're here, because we're here to talk football, we're here to predict shit, but um, I just, man, I don't get the whole Andy Dalton thing, to be honest, I just, get to, I feel like it's the whole, like, promising your toddler or something, and you have to, like, go on your word, it's like, oh, doing this, why, oh, like, or you know when, like, your girl ropes you into something you don't want to do, and you're like, oh, I gotta do this, and they're like, oh, I promised her, like, no, football, it is the next best thing because if Justin Fields comes in here and looks fantastic, like if he looks like his, his Ohio State self, you cannot put him on the bench. You're just you're basically two-eyeing him to where next year, if he is the starter, people are going to be like, "Oh, is Justin the guy for the job? Is it's going to be is Justin this? Is Justin that?" Which you do not want that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you and Tommy were talking about it when you guys were talking about the Bears. Um, they're probably hoping to just keep Andy Dalton playing for most of the season and have Justin Fields come in towards the end. And they can be like, hey, look, Justin Fields is good. Um, we're not going to end up. Uh, so that way they can try and save their job, at least. Uh, I think I think that's what y'all talked about on there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that, that definitely could be the scenario there. But now that Justin Fields is kind of forcing their hands and having him to go out there and play, because I definitely don't see the thing with Andy Dalton either. Um he he didn't play really great with the Cowboys either last season. And I mean, the Cowboys offense, I mean, look at it. Look, look, look at what you got there. And if, I mean, if you can't perform with that, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he's a decent game manager. He did good stuff for the Bengals, but I, I think his time's kind of up where he could just be a backup quarterback for the rest of his career. I mean, if you have him as a backup, that's a fine backup to have at the end of the day. But I think asking him to be a starter is kind of too much, but for whatever reason, they want to delay Justin Fields, and I can understand wanting to ease in your rookie. Sometimes that works out good, and sometimes it doesn't. But um, at the end of the day, sometimes you got to go for it. I mean, look at what the Patriots did with Mac Jones, and granted, it's a different situation. We're talking about the Patriots and the Bears. It's two different organizations here. Um, sometimes you just got to work it out for your rookie and show that you have confidence in them. You know, no, no, you're right, but I, I'm just looking at it from that angle where it's like, look, you don't want to stop his development or his growth. Tommy, I did talk about that a lot because, look, he, like, we all, like, we know, resident bear fan, Tommy, so he'll be back on at some point. But it's just when you look at the whole bear dynamic of it, you've got to look at the future. Don't think about the now. Think about five, ten years from now. And look, if you get Justin Fields to start now, it's only going to pay off in the long run. But, Jesus, oh, wait. Sam making a run. Um, moving on now to the four o'clock games. Uh, Jets at Broncos. Uh, easy question. Jets co- uh, do Broncos cover ten and a half? Um, probably so. <laughs> um, I'm very happy for my guy Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the Broncos have been looking really good, and Teddy's been looking good with them. And they've even lost Jerry Judy to the high ankle sprain, which, um. With my experiences with the high ankle sprain with Michael Thomas, I, I don't know how much effective Jerry Judy is going to have on this season. Um, but, I mean, Cortland Sutton's been looking good. No offense, been pretty decent. Um, you got to wonder when they're going to get Javante Williams, the main guy involved, um, to be the main guy there. He's had, he's, he's, he's been getting some work, but 
I don't know when they're going to completely convert to him. I mean, Melvin Gordon could still be useful in the passing game. Um, but I'm happy for my guy, Teddy. And the Broncos, they, they definitely have a squad there. Um, they definitely have the talent. And I, as as we saw last season, um, Drew Locke just wasn't it. And I'm thinking that's going to end up the same thing with Daniel Jones at some point. I, I do trial parallels to them, but that's kind of going off the rails anyways. But, yeah, um, the Jets... I'm sorry, Danny. I don't know what's going on with them, man. Um, he, he'd, he'd probably be able to crack that down a little bit more. I mean, you just had him on, and he was at the game. He said he didn't want to be on here after he was drunk. It's just kind of so drunk Sunday. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of hoping that uh, the Jets can show you something to go off of. Maybe Michael Carter starts having some games here and there. Maybe Elijah Moore starts showing through. Maybe Zach Wilson starts to look a little bit better. You got to get the offensive line looking better. Um, Bradley Chubb's going to give them some time. Von Miller. It, it's going to uh, be a bad Chubb's day. Hurt, actually. Oh, Chubb's hurt. I'm sorry. Yeah, Chubb, Chubb, that's a, he's been very injury prone ever since he's come to the NFL. He was supposed to be looking at this top 10 pick, just absolute wrecker, and he can't stay healthy. But no. Um, yeah, this game, I, you got to go Broncos, like the mile high factor. The fact they look good against the, the, Bronco, the Broncos, the, the Jags and the Giants. My thing with Denver right now is I want to see them do this against a good team. Like, if you go look at their October schedule, they got some pretty tough opponents coming up. Like, they have the Ravens and the Steelers, as my fellow Canadian, Chuba Hubbard, with the next run. Um, so, yeah, basically, you just got to, like, look at the Bron- – I'm looking at the Broncos long-term where can they keep this up or are they going to be that, like – you know how the Raiders have been for years where, like, they'll get off this hot start but then they'll just, like, cool down all of a sudden and go on, like, a five-game losing streak – I'm curious to see if the Denver Broncos are that team. But for this game, look, you got to go Broncos. I'm going to take the 10 and a half. I'm taking the points. I'm going to say, uh, ooh, what's a fun score to say? I'm going to say 31 to 14 uh, Broncos win. I'll just piggyback off that score because I, I just don't know. It just depends on how many, how many mistakes Zach Wilson makes. Um uh, for Danny's sake, I hope the Jets go out there and look better because at this point you just want to see progress. Exactly. You, you just want to see progress. And then I don't think there's much more out of that game. Moving on next, Dolphins at Raiders. Um, this was a classic last year. Day after Christmas, it was that night game. It was that Ryan Fitzpatrick getting his like, head ripped off as he was making his throw. Um, but this game right here, this I think this game is going to speak volumes for both teams because, look, the Raiders – the Raiders, unlike the Broncos, you beat the Ravens and the Steelers. The Ravens game, which I feel like they had no business winning, and then you have the game against the Steelers, where it's just like, look, anything can happen. But um, as it pertains to this game, you just have a matter of, look, I think this is a game where I, it's going to be volumes for how either team goes. Uh, I'm going to go with Dolphins to win this game. I feel like this is a perfect bounce back for them uh, after losing that game to Buffalo, unfortunately, after I was so high on them going into the game. When Big Rat was at that game, actually, last Sunday, I haven't talked to him much since. Um, But as for the score of this game, I think it's a very, very close game, very similar to last year. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 30... I'm going to go 35 to... 31 Dolphins win. I feel like it's going to be kind of low scoring. Um, I know two is out this week, and they're going to be going off of Jacoby Brissett. 
So I, I don't I don't know how confident I am in Jacoby Reset going out there and helping them beat the Raiders. I know it's not like a tough, huge ask, but I mean, I, I think this game is going to be pretty important in the grand scheme of the AFC wildcard picture because this could be a huge tiebreaker or a huge game for these two clubs because they're definitely two teams that could be looking at that wildcard position with the way their seasons are going so far. Um, the Raiders definitely impressing so far. Um, and Derek Carr's been looking good, man. I mean, I gotta, I gotta give him props. I was kind of worried about the Raiders going into the year with all the offensive line changes, but they've shown through. I mean, um, I like the Raiders on this one. Um, I, I don't really know. I think it's going to be kind of a lower scoring game than what you had it. I'd probably put it something like maybe 21 to 17 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I got the Raiders in this one. And the D-line's been looking pretty good, too. I kind of changed my score. But also, too, I'm going to say this one, two players on the Raiders have really impressed me is Max Crosby and Carl Max have looked really good so far. I'm going to change the score because I brain farted and forgot the Tua thing. I'm going to change my score – to 23 to 17. I'm still gonna go Miami. I feel like Kobe Brissett's gonna play better. I just feel like this is like the kind of game where you know the Dolphins kind of like catch the Raiders off guard a little bit and like kind of do a couple of things here and there to kind of catch them off. But the other thing I'll say about the Raiders too is Derek Carr has looked really good for the first two weeks of the season. I feel like this is the best he's looked since 2016. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. Derek Carr's been out there balling and he's showing through. Um, not much else to say about it. I, I just got the Raiders in this one. As a Tommy Tremble, the Notre Dame product, getting the touchdown for the Carolina Panthers, which Carolina, please make us field goal so the spread's covered again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm changing the score because I totally brain farted and forgot two O's out. My apologies, folks. Um, Seahawks and Vikings, which I think is a very sneaky, good game of the week, but my ultimate favorite game of the week is the next game we're going to talk about. This is the same situation as the Colts. This is a must-win for the Vikings. I'm going to go upset on this one, actually. I Part of me thinks that the Seahawks are going to – the Seahawks can win, but I feel like at the same time, too, I feel like this is a chance for the Vikings to truly catch them off guard. I do think this one is a high-scoring game because you just can't trust both defenses, and I feel like this game is going to be, you know, what, whichever offense makes less mistakes. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you because – it's definitely going to be high scoring. I don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to be able to put the team on his back with his ankle sprain he has currently going on. It could be a lingering issue for him. Right. So you can't really. What's I that? Say I still have something to say. Sorry to cut you off. I have something to say. Oh, you're fine. Go get Alexander Mattinson if you haven't done so already. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he doesn't get further injured, but uh, it, it could be something to look into for sure with Alexander Madison. Um as far as the Seahawks go, you'd like to see DK Metcalf get more involved. Tyler, it's been the Tyler Lockett show. That man has been going off, as I was saying earlier. He's been like the number one or number two wide receiver in fantasy so far. you, you, you got to see that dip at some point. DK Metcalf's probably going to take some alpha targets away there. But um, as far as this game goes, um, the Vikings wide receivers have looked really good so far. They've able to have been spread out the ball. They don't really have no options at tight end. So KJ Osborne has been pretty decent so far for them um, as a third wide receiver. And of course, you got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who've been looking really good. So I think it's going to be a pretty explosive game on offense. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to take the better quarterback to win this because the Seahawks, they got to get this win if they're going to try to keep up with this division. 
and getting a win over an 0-2 team is going to be very important. Although, like you said, it's it's super important not to go 0-3 for the Vikings either because it's just going to be hard to get into the wild card spots in the NFC. But um, at the end of the day, I got to take the Seahawks. I got to take the better quarterback in Russell Wilson. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just going to say Vikings just to kind of, you know, throw the dog a bone. I think this is like the same thing, like I said before, with Miami. I think this is kind of the game where they not like look exactly good, but at the same time, also I just realized I'm about to go with the same score as their game from last week. But the fact, too, that they're able to score points. Like if you guys don't remember, they got off to a hot start last week against the uh, – against the Cardinals. Like, they like they only lost because of the field goal. But I think the fortune changes this time. I'm going to go with a score of Vikings 34 to 33. I think – I don't – I doubt that's what happens because it happened last week. If it does, I'm, I'm just a genius. But I honestly think this is, like, one of those games, you know, where I think the Vikings can come out and do well. Plus, two, it's their home opener. So, you kind of got to mix it up that way. Um, the next game, which I said earlier, game of the week, I'm not going to come on here and coin it NFC Championship preview because I am not doing that in September, especially week three. But the Rams versus the Buccaneers, 425 on Fox. I think this is a true proving ground game for both teams on both sides of the football. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, um, I know Daryl Henderson's kind of having a nagging injury a little bit to him right now, but. I mean, the Rams, with the Cam Akers injury, they've been showing that they can still continue to run the ball. And that's been a problem for Sean McVay's Rams. If he's not able to run the ball, and this is a definite team that's hard to run the ball against, they have a hard time getting their offense going. But that's where you hope that that's why they went and got Matthew Stafford, if you're their front office. Um, Because you got Matthew Stafford to circumvent things whenever the running game just goes awry. Um, Cooper Cup's been looking good for him. Uh, maybe Robert Woods get more involved here. I know the Buccaneers are going to be without Antonio Brown, but I mean they got nice uh, weapons outside of him. Um, so with Scotty Miller, so you'd like to. See, I think it's going to be a really good game, as as you said. Um, I, I we know the Buccaneers. They don't really have the best running back tandem. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he's all right, and Ronald Jones, he just has never really been able to string it together. And I know I kind of had the Bucks getting maybe like three or four losses, and I know their schedule isn't—it's pretty favorable. So just to keep up with me giving them some losses, I'm going to give them a loss here. I think the Rams at home, and I think Matthew Stafford is going to do enough to circumvent the running game problems that is going to arise with that Tampa Bay defense because it's legit. But. I, I, this might be where the whole legend of Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford starts <laughs> with their uh, offense. Um, I, I got the I got the Rams in a very close one. I almost said the Lions because I'm just used to Matt Stafford being on the Lions. It's still weird. Um, very close game, 31-27. Um, also, look at the block schedule. They only have so far on their season they have. They only have seven of their 17 games are at one o'clock starts. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely the... Um, I'm sorry, Griff. Do you hear that? Is that it's coming all, through on your end? It's all good. It sounds like a vacuum. It's no big deal. Okay. I have no idea where that's coming from. It's probably my neighbors. Um, it's all good. Shit happens. Uh, I'm just looking at their schedule right now, though. Like, after the, this game, obviously, week four is the big matchup. There'll be a lot coming content-wise for that one next week, folks. 
I don't want to give away, give anything away yet except for this. Next Thursday night, to get ready for week four completely, including that game, will be Phil, Nightmare, Ted, and I. So the two of us will be here next week to get you completely set up for all the week four games, including Patriots, Buccaneers. But then after that, it's Dolphins, Eagles, Bears, Saints, and then their bye week. So even after the bye, football team, Giants, Colts, Falcons, Bills, like they're have a very easy schedule. So I feel like with the Buccaneers, these are certain games that you honestly expect them to win. These are the games where you're going to look at and go, if I'm a Bucs fan, you expect them to win this. Because if they don't win this game, everyone's going to kind of look at it as, hey, how are they going to be expected to win for, like, in January? I'm going different. I'm going to go with the Rams to win this one. But I think this is going to be an absolute nail-biter in Los Angeles. And also, weird fun fact of the day, too, Tom Brady's first ever NFL game in L.A., which is kind of wild to think about. But if I had to put a score on this, give me give me 38 to 35 ranks. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun one to watch. It's probably going to be the main game I'm watching um, after the Saints-Patriots game, of course. Exactly. And uh, my only thing about this game, look, I think this is just going to be more of a proving ground for Matthew Stafford more than anything, because Matthew Stafford really hasn't faced Tom Brady much in his career. Obviously, both now are in the NFC, so we'll see where it goes. But I feel like if Matt Stafford comes out and balls, he can really make a case and solidify himself for one being one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I definitely agree. Yes. Yeah, so now, and I feel like I feel like the Bucs is not much to prove as this Carolina is going to get called back and holding. <laughs> Um, the next game on the docket, Sunday Night Football, uh, Packers at Niners. Uh, I'm going to come out and say it. I think the Niners are going to win this game. I just think, look, the Packers last week got off to a bit of a rough start with Detroit. Even though they won big, they got their asses kicked by the Saints. I just feel like with the Packers in this game, too. Oh, other fun fact. Packers struggle mightily in California. And I just think, too, on the short week, I just can't see a world where the Packers win this football game. I think at the end of the day... San Francisco is going to be too much to handle. And once again, too, in San Francisco's home opener, there's a lot of teams who still play home games. Denver, San Francisco, Minnesota. The Saints, even though they played a home game in Jacksonville. Yeah, exactly. The Saints haven't played a home game. Um, So, yeah, and then there's just – it's one of those things where it's just like, look, you have have this home game for San Francisco, the first game in front of fans since the 2020-2019 NFC Championship game featuring said Packers. But when it comes to this game, look, I think – I just think this is going to be a game that's not going to be as exciting as a lot of people think it's going to be. Does that make sense? Like, I think this is a – I got to look up the – I think the spread's only three points, which I'm going – I'm going San Francisco to win this game. But the overall um, – the overall uh, points is 50. I'm going to go with the under for this. I'm going to say – I want to be different with my scores because I'm saying a lot of them the same. I'm going to say 28. I'm going to say 28 to 17 San Francisco wins. My main problem is wondering if the 49ers are going to get their offense rolling through the running game with their depleted running back core. Um, I know we had kind of talked about it more with Elijah Mitchell. Um it's definitely something to worry about with the 49ers. Um, do you wonder if Debo Samuel is going to keep up his string of incredible games? He's Jordan he's another guy. Well. Yeah, he's another guy that's been playing really well at wide receiver. Um, another guy that 
I have my eyes on because there's a lot of these wide receivers that have been popping off and I'm trying to see which ones are going to stick around and keep up their normal things like DJ Moore. He's been really good too. I mean, tonight he has like at least 20 fantasy points, I think in PPR formats. And I think he's going to continue that. Um, Yeah. Good catch there by Terrace Marshall. Um, But I definitely think it's something DJ Moore is going to keep up with. But as far as the 49ers and Packers, I have such a bad thing of going on tangents of other players that mid previewing another game. I have a bad habit of that, but as far as uh, the Packers and 49ers games, I think that Packers game was just an anomaly against the Saints. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a lot going on this offseason. They had their whole last dance controversy, and I think they just weren't very serious for that game. On top of the Saints, they just came in, and they had a game plan, and they stuck to it. Um, very two different ends of the spectrum um, shown from that team. But as far as this game, I'm going to take the Packers here to win. Um, I just always kind of bet with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, you, you did make a good point there. They don't really ever perform too well in California. It's a pretty good trip and travel for them, different environment. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I got to take the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to keep rolling, and I, I know people were saying stuff like Aaron Rodgers kind of needs something to prove. Um at the end of the day, he probably needs to prove that, hey, look, this Packers team, they, they're they going to need me. Uh, I, so I'm just going to take the Packers here. Um, as far as a score prediction, I'm so bad with these score predictions. I'm going to say um, I could see it not being a very exciting game also, like you were saying. So I'm going to stick with 27-17. You can't go wrong with this. It's already got like. And then last but not least, we've got the Dallas Cowboys. Is it enough? Dallas Cowboys. That's another team actually who first home game of the year. This Dallas Cowboys. Okay, that's clear pass interference on Dan Arnold, former Saint, but and Cardinal. But um, no, with this Dallas Cowboys team, they're opening at home against the Eagles. Um, I, I, I want to go Dallas. I feel like you know how you said Green Bay. You thought Week One was like an, an anomaly against the Saints. I feel like with. Uh, the Eagles, I think their week one against the win, a week one win, excuse me, against the Falcons was an anomaly in the sense of, like I said before, the Falcons, they get the Dennis Green Award. The, they are who we thought they were award. Now, with the Dallas Cowboys, I feel like they're starting to show that, hey, they're enough, and that, hey, if their offense can do enough to where their defense doesn't have to have a big game to win them against teams like the Eagles, I feel like that's where you can win. And that's why I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, with that being said, I think this is NFC East football. These are two teams in rivalry. I feel like it's going to be a close-scoring game. But at the same time, too, I feel like the Cowboys are going to do just enough to win as D.J. Moore did some trickery that backfires. I'm going to say for a total scoreline, I'm going to go – I'm going to say 21-16 Cowboys win. I think this is going to be a lot of field goals for – the Philadelphia Eagles Monday night. I feel like it's going to be one of those Monday nighters that I'm going to be watching. I'm going to say, why am I watching this? But at the same time, too, it's like, hey, why am I watching the Panthers play the Texans right now? Because I love football. That's very true. And very good points with the whole division rivalry. These NFC East division rivalries, they always seem to be put in primetime games. It's a very popular thing. And, and I mean, I know people like to say the Cowboys are America's team. Giants are in a big market in New York. So, these teams always seem to get the national spotlight. Um, but as far as this game goes, um, I'm curious to see what Jalen Hurts is going to look like. I, I, I like watching in on him. I, I want to see 
It's going to end up looking like because I'm not very high on him, but I'm not going to wish ill will on him. I just want to see if uh, he can continue to string it along. And I mean, like the Cowboys have been pretty good so far, I will say. Um, they had the impressive showing against the Buccaneers where if they just hadn't missed a couple kicks, maybe they could have won that game. And they ended up getting the kick against the Chargers and getting the win. So that was definitely big for Cowboys fans. I know they're excited about that. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, I got the Cowboys winning this one. Uh, it's probably going to be close just because of the rivalry, like you said. But I like the Cowboys here. Um, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They put points on the board. I'm going to give the Cowboys quite a few points here. I'm going to say they score in the 30s. Let's say 37 Cowboys and the Eagles will probably be about 27 or 24. Uh, yeah, I can see a world of both happen, like where the under hits or where the over hits. This game can go either way. I just see a very similar game to what the Cowboys did against the Chargers last week, where it's low scoring and that they win on a field goal or like even I say too, where – the Dallas defense actually has a good game, does stuff enough, does enough to help them win. Because that's the one thing, too. The Dan Quinn defense and the Mike Nolan defense is day and night. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, uh, another big thing to be watching out is if Amari Cooper is going to be playing in this game, I'm definitely going to be checking that out myself. Because um, I had a little bit of stock in Amari Cooper going into this season. And if he doesn't play, it could be the C.D. Lamb show. Because, I mean, I know um, – their wide receiver core is a little hurt right now and without Amari Cooper would be a pretty big blow and Zeke hasn't really gotten off to the hot start but I think they'd have to run re- rely on Zeke and CD Lamb quite a bit if Amari Cooper's out but hopefully Amari Cooper plays for them um if Amari Cooper doesn't play I'll probably put the points down a little bit but I'd probably still have the Cowboys winning at the end of the day but uh yeah um I, I like the Cowboys here for sure you know, I think we both like the Cowboys. And I think with that, folks, that's going to wrap it up for uh, the week three preview show of YWC Football Talk. Um, is there anything else you want to add on to the program today, Matt? Um, I'm hoping to see a better performance from my Saints. Maybe we see something in the middle, and hopefully this fiber optic cable doesn't get cut this time and I can actually watch football. Let's hope not. And all I hope for Sunday is that we just get a good game between both teams with uh, someone getting a dub, but that's just the nature of the beast with football. But anyway, guys, I want to thank Matt for coming on. Always, always, it's always a great talk with Matt. And then also to another thanks to John Hendricks from uh, Sports Illustrated coming on once again, just to talk about the game Sunday. And Matt and I discussed all the action for Sunday. But anyway, guys, enjoy week three of the NFL season as this has been episode 112 of YWC Football Talk. See you for Tom Brady week starting Monday night. Good night, everybody. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.